Nathan, what a song, what a song. And boy, if that doesn't name uh, kind of that deep heart desire that we all feel right now, isn't it? Uh, that we might not just survive this season, but that there might be a way that we could thrive, even in the midst of the difficulty. Well, that, that's what I want to talk with you about a little bit today. In fact, uh, we're going to pause. We've been in a series called God Stories, and we're going to pause in that series to just do a little bit of a checkup, kind of a heart check for us as a community, and maybe for you. How are we doing in the midst of this season? You know, uh, none of us expected 2020 to look quite like this. In fact, uh, I had a lot of plans. I, I had a lot of dreams for 2020, and a lot of those have been on hold. I've, I've taken to following these memes, my plans for 2020. Have you seen these? Like this one from The Office. Uh, I, I just love uh, the depiction of what 2020 has done to all of our hopes and dreams for this year. Well, uh, I don't know what 2020 has looked like for you, uh, but for many of us, uh, there are things that have just been put on hold, things that we'll never actually get to experience, or, or things that we, we are still looking forward into the future, wondering if they're ever going to come to pass. In fact, I was talking with a friend this week, and they shared with me this phrase uh, called caution fatigue. And, and that phrase just really struck me because, you know, the, the truth is, I'm kind of tired of always being on alert. I, I don't know what's going to come tomorrow or next week. And that constant state of caution just, well, it just kind of has me worn out, has me rather fatigued. You know, there's been a lot of research that's been coming out lately just showing just how much stress and anxiety and depression and anger we're all dealing with in this season. In fact, you might deal with all four of those in this very same day. But is this really the state that God would have us live in, in, in kind of this constant state of worry and stress? Or is there another way for us to be and to live and, and just to operate in all this? Well, you know, it's interesting. Jesus has some incredible things to say about this. In fact, one time, uh, just before he would be crucified, he, he was gathered with his closest followers and it was actually the night before they would be, forgive the pun, sheltering at home uh, as Jesus was on the cross. But that night, before all of this would come to pass, Jesus gave this encouragement to his disciples. He said, I have said these things to you so that you might, so that, uh, you might have my peace. Je Jesus seems to hint at a kind of peace, a, a kind of life, a quality of something that we can experience even in the midst of difficulty. And, and then he goes on, he says this, he says the obvious, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You are. It's just going to happen. But take heart, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So is that really possible? Is it really possible to experience peace in the midst of anxiety and stress, joy in the midst of disappointment and depression? Well, that's what we're going to explore a little bit with you today, uh, and we're going to welcome to join me on the stage my friend Palmer Trice, founder of the Barnabas Christian Counseling Center, uh, as we engage in conversation asking those very questions. Don't go in or stick around. You're going to love it. I hope uh, at home, maybe you want to applaud. Normally, when we, power, when we welcome someone to the stage, you say, would you help welcome to the Westlake stage, Palmer Thrice, and they can all applaud. But Palmer, I am so glad to have you with us today. What a joy. Thanks for saying yes to this invitation. Um, 
For those of you who are new to Palmer, Palmer is the founder uh, of the Barnabas Christian Counseling Center, uh, which operates Palmer in, in Charlotte, here in Cornelius, or around the region, even in some other cities. Where, where do you have all those centers? Richmond, uh, Winston-Salem, Greensboro, Davidson, and Charlotte. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, I first met Palmer a few years ago when I moved to North Carolina. Uh, we had a conversation at a Starbucks before we even launched yes, the church. Yes, we did. And uh, Palmer's been a friend ever since, and I just can't wait to get into it today. Uh, this is my favorite kind of sermon, by the way. We just get to talk. It's uh, easier, isn't it? It's a little bit easier. <laughs> I won't lie. It's a little bit easier. But my, my prayer has have been that uh, God, uh, well, even as we talk, that God would be in this. Uh, well, Palmer, you know, this has been one of the strangest seasons of my adult life, of my entire life. And uh, I, I have found that on any given day, I, I can be experiencing a whole range of emotions, mm -hmm. from anger to disappointment to kind of just confusion, anxiety. Um, and, and, you know, it's tr this is triggering a lot of things for a lot of us. What, what's this pandemic season been like for you personally? How's it been affecting you in this season? It has uh, worn on me over time. Huh. Um, initially, there was kind of the challenge to do something differently, and there was uh, a little bit of a relief from being on all the time. I mean, there were so many limits that things that you couldn't do, and those very things over time become the source of stress and tension, and uh, I miss my life. Um, and, and it looks like I have this life now for a while. Yeah, it's not going away anytime soon, is it? No, it's not. I, I, I had a friend, several friends this week asked me how I'm doing, and I said, I think I live with low-level um, uh, COVID depression. Yeah. Tell me more. What, what is that like uh, for you? How do you see that depression showing up? Well, the, it's, um, I mean, it show, I, I tend to be a person that is um, pretty energetic and wakes up in the morning ready to take on the day. Mm. And uh, there are enough limits on my day now, and um, my days lack the kind of structure that I've lived with for decades, that it's a little harder to, to seize the day, to carpe diem, to um, take hold of it when there are so many limits in some ways and uh, additional burdens that weren't there before. Yeah, yeah. And all those external things, at least for me, that, that kind of help reinforce my routines and rhythms right. uh, that help me to seize the day are, are not there. And all I can do is seize the bag of Doritos at midnight. And um, that's the only thing I seem to be seizing these days. You don't like ice cream? Well, ice cream, I, I had a, yeah, I think that was month two of COVID. Month two was ice cream month. Month one was Doritos month, I think was that. Yeah, just my go-to. It is something how we, uh, all of us cope with the, the stress that is um, inevitable in this kind of a change, mm. in this kind of a transition, and we all cope with it in such different ways. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you say that. I was um, hanging out with some dads. I've been a part of a dad's group during COVID. We just got together because we needed to not go crazy, and having right. some dad time was really helpful. And we, were, we started out just meeting on Zoom, and, uh, you know, a lot of the dads were just talking about how that first month, uh, it just felt like we were utterly out of control, right? Like we, That's a good phrase. Yeah, mm -hmm. that, that sense of loss of control mm -hmm. uh, was really hard for me. Mm 
mm-hmm. really hard for me. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see as some of the particular, oh, well, by the way, let me, let me tell the church real quick. Uh, we're just going to talk, and, and we did not pre-plan this, but uh, Palmer and I have a list of questions that we thought would be interesting to dialogue about, and I'm going to walk through those. I got them on my sheet here in case I get lost, but if we decide to take it a different direction, we'll go there too. Uh, but Palmer, what do you see are some of the particular challenges during this season? What, what is contributing to the difficulty? What is it that's making it so hard? Boy, that, that, that's a long, long list. Um, uh, I think relationally things change so much. Um, and I'm an extrovert, so uh, facing the fact that I can't go meet people at Starbucks or have lunch with people or it's difficult for my supper club to get together in person, um, that relationships are around, uh, mostly around Zoom, and there is such a thing as Zoom fatigue. It's a different dynamic um, relating uh, by camera. Um, relationally, there's, there's a change. Um, financially, there's a pressure. There's the whole world of uncertainty at a macro level. Um, we read some scary things about our economy, and then there are, um, I have the first person close to me was laid off two weeks ago, and that creates ripples uh, of uncertainty and fear and, and that. Uh, and then there's the, the, the fear that people live with that uh, has been very confusing, just about what's the impact of this virus on us and how do we get it? And um, I think I heard you mention and another friend mentioned the, um, the uh, what, what was the phrase? The, the fatigue that comes. Yeah, caution fatigue. Caution fatigue. Isn't that a powerful phrase? Where when I walked in today for us to film, we're deciding are we going to have wear masks now or yeah. not. Yeah. And um, Which, by the way, for those online, uh, we're officially six feet apart. We, we measured it. Just, just So don't send in your emails. We're, 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 we're doing it. We're, we're doing, doing it. it. <laughs> yeah. So th- those are some of the things. So there, there's, there's, there are health fears. There are relational changes, there are changes at work, there are, um, I mean, everything around us is different. And yet, there are days I go for a walk in my neighborhood and go, my world feels the same. Yeah. And I can go to the grocery store and get everything I need, I just have to wear a mask. Yeah. Um, and as my wife would say, um, she's, she's someone who relates to people even in the grocery store. I think we all do, but she's aware of that. And she said, people can't see my face. Yeah. They can't tell if I'm smiling at them or not. That's right. That's right. Um, Well, you know, we talked about uh, this uh, earlier this week that um, from a psychology perspective, the human brain is well designed for, uh, to respond to threats in our environment, right? right. Yeah. It, the, the, what is often referred to as the lizard part of our brain, the, the right. very back is, is set to automatically fill our body with uh, adrenaline and cortisol. So when there's a threat, we, we can respond. Yeah. Uh, and the problem we were talking about, one of the problems with COVID is it's, it's like a bear right outside our front door that never goes away. And then you, you said something to me, made me joke. You said, yes, yes Aaron. But that bear's also invisible, so you can't see it, but you hear it growling. Right. <laughs> and we're living with this constant worry, constant threat. Well, what's the effect on our bodies and our, just our lives as a result of that? 
Yeah, it, it really does, it, it accumulates. I mean, there's a, um, the weariness that we feel is physiological as well as emotional and spiritual. Um, I mean, what you just described biochemically, my body begins to wear down. Um, I told you in that conversation, I've thought some about how uh, one of the ways to, um, uh, to break people down is to keep them awake to keep them in an unnatural state for an extended period of time. And we're living in an unnatural state. Mm. And now it's been 20 weeks or yeah. whatever. I mean, it's been a long time. Yep. You also said something I had not thought about, but that um, there are actually two ways we punish people, right, in that way. We, we, we keep that we deprive them of sleep in that way, and we isolate them. Right, right. What What? What, what do you see as the effects of that isolation? What does that do when I don't have the regular human contact, regular human interaction that I need or I'm used to? Yeah, it, I think it, it, um, it wears on us. I think it raises questions internally. Um, uh, we count on the, I mean, the, it's not good for man to live alone. Um, we were built to be with people, to yeah. be connected closely with people. And uh, when that doesn't happen, uh, we react often in ways that we can't pinpoint. And that's one of the things that's so insidious about this whole thing is um, when you wear people down over time, uh, you're less aware of how broken down you are, of how stressed out you are, of how irritable you are or fearful you are because it's the, um, it's the old turning the... Um, frying pan up slowly. Yes. Um, and the frog stays in the frying pan uh, when you turn it up slowly over months. Yeah. Well, I, I feel as if I'm the frog, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Put a fork in me, right? Can we, can we turn the heat off? <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, you know, we, one of the things that I have found so important is finding places where I can talk about the effects yeah. that this having on me. Mm-hmm. Why, do, why is it so important for people to be able to be honest about the struggle? Um, that, I think that plays out in a couple of different ways. Uh, and to speak to a little bit before that would be, I think one of the things that prevents us from talking about it is that we're, uh, there's something in us as believers that thinks we should just muscle through yeah. and overcome and not let a little virus throw us. And so we, we tend to minimize or deny or put away the, the things that are going on inside, that uh, I'm more bored or more fearful or more anxious or more depressed than normal. And uh, one of the things that I think is essential if we're going to thrive is owning the fact um, and then beginning to share it with people that we trust that there is stuff going on in me and it is hard. And that, that's a way of uh, lancing the, the boil that's there, um, that lets some of the pressure out that's gonna come out sideways in, other, in unhealthy ways if we're not acknowledging that it's there. Boy, when you said lancing the boil, that, that described my experience I, I mentioned with those dads. It was just, I can't describe it, but just being able to say out loud these things I was feeling and experiencing and have someone else say, me too, you know, I, I'm, right. I'm going through that too. 
there, there was a kind of, it was like the pressure went down in some way. I mean, it really was healing. Yeah. Yeah, I was with a friend the other day who shared that um, he found himself more irritable with his wife and kids. And when he said that, it, it was a mirror for me, and I could pause and go, huh, I felt a little bit of that on edge, and I react a little more quickly than normal. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I often think my, my poor family is having to have me at home 24-7, <laughs> right? Like that's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's Your a, poor lucky family. My poor lucky family. That's, that's right. right. That's a unique kind of person. <laughs> um, Paul, I remember, you know, we already referenced this a little bit, but during those first few weeks of the pandemic, uh, you, you know, I was looking to anything and everything to provide right. a little bit of distraction or, or a little bit of comfort, whether it was Doritos at midnight or, or whatever, right? Um, what do we do with all this stress that we're experiencing? What, what typically happens to us when we're under unusually high levels of stress? We, all of us have a plan, uh, sometimes consciously um, developed and sometimes just um, intuitive, that we uh, cope with stress. Uh, and some of, one, one of the dangers of the pandemic, I think, is there are unhealthy ways that we cope with stress that uh, some of us have really worked on and dealt with. And there's a, an unconscious internal thing inside of us that guarantees that we can go back to those unhealthy ways, mm. whether that's uh, looking at bad things on the internet or um, drinking too much. I mean, the statistic a couple weeks ago was ABC store sales are up 75% wow. post-COVID. Wow. And uh, I would guess that's true for illegal substances as well. Sure. Um, that we do things that uh, lower the pressure for us somehow. Um, sometimes that's exercise and sometimes it's Doritos. Uh, sometimes it's binge watching Netflix, yes, right? That's yes. the stock you wanted to own the last. Yeah, I should have. Five, I should have invested. Five months. Yeah. That and Home Depot. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we we all deal with stress, and it's a really helpful thing to stop and think about that, and even to ask someone close to us, "How do you see me coping with stress?" Wow, what a powerful question. Yeah, I was thinking. You know, sometimes there are things that it, you know in 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 moderation are fine. Uh, but taken to almost anything, taken to excess can be too much, right? And, and maybe it is alcohol, or maybe it is food, but it could even be exercise, right? I could right. be overexerting too muching in that area right. as a way to just try and cope with this. Right, yeah. It, it can be, um, yeah, I, I was thinking of exercise, it could be, it can be, I can play too much golf, I can run more than I would normally run. Yeah. There are all kinds of things I can do to cope with stress. I was reading an article this week uh, that used the phrase um, uh, doom scrolling to describe what a lot of us are doing on social media at night. You know, right before you go to bed, you pull out your phone and, and you make the fatal error of going to your local news, whatever your news right. source is, right. and you start and it's doom article number one, doom article number two, and then by the time you reach right. doom article number 36, I, at least me, I, when, I, when I succumb to doom scrolling, I'm not falling asleep for at least another four hours. <laughs> yeah, if you weren't anxious before, you're really anxious <laughs> I'm really now. Anxious right. now. So right. yeah, even thinking about too much social media, too much news consumption, 
too muching in a lot of different ways can really not be good. Yeah. One of the things I did three weeks ago was I took news, um, news apps I had off of, my, off of my phone because I found myself looking at them too much. There we go. Uh, obsessing about uh, how many new cases there were and what's the, how many different vaccines and yeah. what was going on with the stock market and all those kinds of things. Gosh, you know, thinking about that, we, we could probably just pray and, as I say, pray and go home right now with just that. Delete your news apps, let's pray, and in the service. I mean, that alone would change something, right? I'm not saying everybody needs to do that, but right. thinking about the impact on just our, our, our mental health, our, our spiritual health, that would be huge. Right, right, yeah. Well, um, what are some healthier ways that we can deal with this stress? Yeah, I think the healthy ways, I, I, for many of us, it really starts with uh, a, a willingness to look at our own hearts and go, how am I coping with the stress? That I'm under stress, everybody I know is under stress, and with that, it has an effect on all kinds of relationships. Um, I was uh, studying recently the end of the fourth chapter of Ephesians, um, and he says, uh, I think it's in verse 32, the last verse, he says, um, uh, and forgiving one another as God has forgiven you. And when I studied the passage, the Greek word really is be gracious to one another, even as God is gracious to you. It's bigger than just forgiveness. And I thought it's very helpful um, in my world, whether it's at work or with my wife or my friends, if we acknowledge that we're under stress, um, it's easier to be gracious to one another. So we can't give that if we don't know in a sense that we're asking for it. Um, so I think acknowledging it and, and then that opens the door to where is it coming out sideways? Am I more irritable? Am I more withdrawn? Uh, I don't want to be. Um, uh, it, is, it is more common for Lynn and me today to say, uh, are you feeling more anxious today? Mm -hmm. Because one of the strange things about this virus is my anxiety goes up and down. My depression goes up and down. Uh, and I'm not sure what that's based on as much as it's just this cumulative wearying thing and my body's dealing with it. Yeah. Uh, and if I don't acknowledge where I am, I can't begin to do healthy things. Yeah. And healthy things would be some of the things that most of us would know. It would be eating well and sleeping well and exercising and uh, journaling. Um, it would be making sure I have some meaningful conversations in my day and week. Um, uh, th those are some of the things I think of that uh, I, need to, I need to create a rhythm in my life that I've lost um, yeah. and bring some order to it. Not that it becomes the, the be-all, end-all, but um, I know I'm going to do yoga or uh, uh, take a walk or Change whatever. out of my pajamas by at least noon. That's very yeah. helpful. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Forrest, so what a, what a powerful idea, though, be gracious to one another. I, um, I was thinking, uh, and, and to actually talk, actually ask that question. Uh, you know, this last week, um, my wife asked me this question, and it, and it so, um, it just went right, right to my core. She, she said, 
How's your heart doing today? Uh-huh. That's a great question. What a powerful question. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it caused me to pause and, and assess. And, and, then I was, and then she was prepared to listen, right, without judgment. Just how's, how's my heart doing? And I told her later that night when I said, I, that was the best moment of my whole week. Huh. I felt more loved by that one question than, than anything. Mm-hmm. Just, just to call, so that someone would want to hear how my heart's doing in the midst of all this. Yeah, I, I, was, um, I was actually on the golf course with a friend recently, and we got held up as we were playing. And so as we're sitting in the cart, I asked him, um, how are you and Jesus doing in the midst of all this? What is, where do you see God? What's his presence like? That kind of thing. And he looked at me, <laughs> and we proceeded to have the best conversation for the next five minutes, and then the people ahead moved on, and we yeah, hit our drives. That's right. <laughs> but but um, there really are opportunities for meaningful connection and conversation like that because we're slowed some because of the virus, and we are more stirred up. All of us are more stirred up yeah. because of the stress. Yeah. Good. Well, well, so far what I've heard you say, first of all, just acknowledging mm-hmm. that we're all going through this, right? That this right. is, it's unusual. Uh, secondly, talking about that with someone, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. those friends or those that we're living with, mm-hmm. our families, our spouses, our kids, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Giving them space to talk. Uh, but you, you brought faith into it now. You brought right. Jesus in, which I'm glad, glad you did. Um, yeah, I was thinking, we were talking this week about the verse there in um, Philippians. And the uh, Philippians verse says this. It says, uh, let your gentleness be evident to all, right. for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, which I kind of go, yeah, right. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And, and Par, you were sharing with me uh, a story in your own life about how that verse took on kind of new meaning. And I'd love for you to share, share it with us. Yeah, um, I think many of us live with this um, uh, pressure about anxiety, that there's something wrong with it. And uh, in the early days of the virus, and particularly, I think I was, it was a new churning up inside. And um, one of the, I, I, I begin my day writing God a, a letter. And the letter might be three sentences or two sentences. And um, there are days it may not even be that long, and there are days it might be a page or two. Um, but, but as I wrote, one of the, and, and I'm telling the Lord what's going on in me, uh, I had to say, I'm really anxious here. Mm. And I know because of that verse, I know you don't want me to be. Um, and what I experienced with him was that your anxiety is not to be indicted. It's an invitation. Ah. Um, it really is an invitation to bring your fear and your uncertainty um, and your lack of faith, in a sense, to me. Yeah. And I'll meet you there. Yeah. I'll give you the peace that passes understanding. Yeah. Um, and so it, 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 it had, I've come back to that often during the, um, during the last several months when I feel anxious that I, it's rather than stop being anxious, it's 
okay, Lord, I'm anxious. Uh, I can't just stop being anxious. Um, it doesn't go away like that. It, uh, but come meet me here and let it be an invitation for us to talk about my heart with you and my desire to trust you. And one of the things that Paul says in that verse that was kind of a surprise for me, and part of it, I think, is the anti, part of the antidote for anxiety, um, is he, he says, um, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Mm, mm. Um, that that it, it's an opportunity for me to remember all the things in my life that I really am grateful for. Yeah. And that recalibrates my insides. It's a part of, I think, God bringing His peace in. Gosh, there, there, there's so much in that that, that I'd love to explore. The, but the first thing you said um, about the anxiety, it, you know, I think in, for those who would call themselves Christians, many of us, and, and we all also have a lot of folks who would say, I'm more of a spiritual person. I'm still investigating the claims right. of Jesus. But, but for Christians, especially those who grew up in the church, there's this pressure to think that if I'm anxious, there's something wrong with me, right? right? That, that I'm not doing faith right. Mm -hmm. but, but what you're saying is, no, no, no. It, the presence of anxiety might be the very invitation that God is giving yeah. us to, to come to Him. Right. That's a powerful turn that we can make in our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, but the second thing that really struck me there was, was Thanksgiving. You know, I find, can, can oh, I go ahead, really, please. Well, I, my mind jumped to, uh, sometimes it's anxiety. Sometimes it's I have addictions that kick back up or there are unhealthy things that kick back up. And sometimes we see God as a, um, a vindictive God, yeah. a punishing God rather than an inviting God. And that his response to sin is to, to slap us yeah. rather than, no, you're missing the mark of what I want for you. Come to me. Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I've made a way for you to come back to me here. Yes. Um, so don't run from me when you're anxious. Run toward me. Yeah. Uh, you know, the story that comes to my mind that there, uh, I, I don't know why, but it's, it's just the, the story of the prodigal son that many folks might be familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. he, he, he's utterly blown it. I mean, literally, he wasted all of dad's money, yeah. and he's coming back, and he's anticipating that kind of, right. but, but he doesn't have that at all. Right. Yeah. His dad's been standing at the edge of the driveway waiting this whole time for him to come. Yeah. Uh, that's powerful. Yeah, the shame of maybe some of the things that I've been looking to as coping mechanisms or, or things to numb me or to distract me, uh, the shame of those things can keep me from coming to God who, who just is ready to receive me. Who really wants to help me. Yeah. I mean, his, his longing is come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, there, there really is an invitation. And that's one of the things I love about the... Um, uh, the pandemic is it stirs things in us that really are an invitation to draw near to God. Um, that there's something, there's a supernatural resource that I become aware of needing more when my world is so upside down. Mm, mm, that is so good. What a, what a picture of grace. What a mm -hmm. picture of grace in that. Uh, yeah, we often talk uh, uh, as a church about uh, that grace invites us to be kind to ourselves. We even have a little hand motion that we do like right. this. Right? Right. Be, be kind to yourself, right? Mm -hmm. uh, be gracious with ourselves in this and with the others in our home. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, I, I said a second thing um, the, about Thanksgiving, and it strikes me, you know, one of the hard things is um, I don't always know how to be honest about my struggle 
but also acknowledge the good things and hold those in tension, right? Uh, I, I tend to be an either-or kind of person. Uh-huh. Uh, and yet, even, even with uh, one of our band members today, before we were here recording the service, I was talking with them, and they're saying, you know, um, it, even though it's been hard to be at home, there's also been a blessing in this. Right. And they were talking about the, just the extra time with family and kids, and that's something they're grateful for, even though it's hard that we're not in our normal routine. What are some ways that we can practice that gratitude? How, how do you do that in your life? How do you help people do that more? Uh, I mean, in some ways it can be as simple as sit down and make a list of the things you're thankful for. Or um, at the end of the day, uh, you and I have talked a little bit about some of the practices of the ancient fathers. I mean, one of those would be to stop at the end of the day and go, where did I see God today? Yes. And what am I thankful for today? Yes. Um, something that simple that you, you actually can do lying in bed at night or while you're sitting up in the last five minutes. Something that simple. Um, I, we... The, the, one of the benefits of the, of the pandemic is that we can't move as fast. We find ourselves filling more time, which means we actually have time to stop and ponder what we're thankful for. Mm, mm, yeah. We've been going so fast, and now we're forced to slow down. Uh, right. um, I've been uh, studying the book of Ecclesiastes in light of the pandemic, and it, at times it's, it can feel like a depressing book. Um, but one, one of the things that the teacher comes back to again and again that has really been redemptive for me in this season has been um, he, he calls us to enjoy eating and drinking. Uh, this is in the ninth chapter, I think, to enjoy the wife you love and the work you've been given. And so to stop and pause and enjoy really little things yeah. that I tend to take for granted as I'm rushing through to get to the big things that I want to be thankful for. Yeah. Actually, actually enjoying today for today's sake. Right. The present moment for what it is. Yes. Gosh, Marv, if, we, if I could do that more. Oh, I think I'd be a different person in the midst of this pandemic. Yeah, I, that's one of the things I'm grateful for. I tend to be somebody who's always running toward the next thing, and there haven't been a lot of next things to run toward. <laughs> that's right. Which helps you that's be a little more present, right? I can hurry, 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 and then it's the same question every night. All right, what am I watching on Netflix tonight, right? <laughs> I think we might actually, poor Netflix, they're going to run out of stuff to show us, right? I mean, somebody, there's going to be somebody who has actually watched every single thing on Netflix. I'm sure there will be a Guinness Book of... Well, you can watch The Office another 20 times. Well, that's true. You can repeat that. <laughs> well, um, Paul, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to take these last two questions and kind of combine them into to one. Um, you, you know, what, uh, what I know about you is that in, in many ways, uh, you are a pastor to pastors. Uh, in fact, we, we both went to the same seminary. Uh, we did not go at the same time. There's a little bit of uh, a, few years. a few years between us. Um, but you are a pastor to pastors. And, and so uh, since today you're being my pastor and you're being our pastor, uh, what, what encouragement, speaking as a pastor, what encouragement or wisdom would you want to give to us? If we were to say, Paul, just tell us how to do this well? What advise us, encourage us, guide us? What wisdom? 
Uh, I like your be kind to yourself. That's a place to start. Um, I think the biggest pair of glasses, the pair of glasses that I'd want all of us to put on is, um, God, this is a stressful season. Uh, How do you want to use it in my life? Um, how, how, how How do you use this stress and anxiety and these changes in circumstances, the fact that we're having dinners together, um, and, and that's good news and bad news. Mm-hmm. The fact that uh, I can't meet you uh, at Starbucks the way we did the, that last time. Um, uh, I have more space, but I am more anxious and more fearful. Um, I have, uh, I know that there's stuff going on in uh, the worlds of my friends that are unique and different, um, the source of more fear and hope and sadness and uncertainty than before. God, how do you, how do you use me? What do you have for me in this moment? Mm-hmm. Um, the, you and I were talking earlier about the, um, uh, the, those verses in the first um, chapter of James. Yes. about count it all joy when trials come your way. Yes. Um, and there's another one in uh, Romans 5 um, where Paul talks about uh, what, what suffering does for us and how it brings proven character and proven character hope. And I can't remember what that, or perseverance proven. There, there's this, the, the big picture is God is doing something in us and can do something through us mm. in this season. Let, let the season take us to Him, and then He'll take us places. Um, and let yourself need Him. Mm. Mm. That is so good. That is so good. Um, Palmer, it has been, uh, you've been a gift to me uh, this week. I've, I've really enjoyed our times of connecting. Uh, and, me too. And uh, you've been a gift to us today in conversation. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray for us, but for folks who might be interested in learning more about the Barnabas Center, um, where, where can they go to learn more about that? Um, the, the BarnabasCenter.org is our website. Uh, the phone number is 704-365-4545. Um, and uh, on that website, you could get information for the Davidson and Winston-Salem offices as well. Wonderful. Um, and the thing I'd want people to know about Barnabas, and you probably picked it up from uh, my sharing here, is we, we really believe that God uses struggle for our good. Um, and that that struggle is an invitation for us to deal with our own hearts with his help in a way that we grow um, both in our own character and in the way we treat other people, but uh, particularly with Him, that God's a resource for us. God wants to pull us toward Himself to grow us um, and to give us more of His love. And that's what our counseling and seminars and all those are premised on. I love it. Well, um, would you mind praying for us and for all those watching online today? I'd love to. Let's pray. Uh, Father, um, many of us, as we watch this broadcast, are in the midst of um, stress unlike what we've been, uh, had to deal with before. Um, Many of us are struggling in relationships or seeing things in our own heart or dealing with behaviors that have come back. 
Um, uh, and you, Lord, invite us to come to you first and foremost. Uh, you invite us to come as we are and promise to meet us there. And I pray that you would give us courage to come to you and then go to those whom we trust and care for. Um, that you'd use this season for our good uh, and for your glory. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.